talk a lot about innovation in the watch industry and at the watch files we've been focusing a lot on the history of innovation but with steven we say to each other wait a minute there are lots of innovators today what will be the future of innovation in the last episode we talk about the introduction of titanium in uh, in the industry and incidentally in the 80s there was also an introduction of another important product which was pvd one company that i recently met at the geneva ephg fair is positive coating it's a company specializing in coating for watches in pvd treatments and one of their big innovations that you may have seen on a watch by zenith that we're going to talk about is rainbow coating colors arriving in watchmaking watchmaking is ever more colorful than it has ever been what is exactly coating what are the roles of innovation for coating we're going to talk about this innovation with lucian steinman who is the head of positive coating these are the watch files where we tell the stories of the events that change the horology industry I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, publisher of Grail Watch and contributor to Watch Wiki and Europa Star. And I'm your co-host, Serge Maillard, publisher of Europa Star. Each episode of The Watch Files focuses on a different story, helping our audience better understand the people and companies they hear about every day. The industry has long been a push and pull between technology and aesthetics, and it is safe to say that design sells watches more than technology. But of course, design and aesthetics is technology in many cases. And the techniques that allow us to have beautiful and attractive watches are often rooted in very advanced science and engineering challenges. That's why I thought that it would be fun to bring in people who are focused on bringing advanced technology to the watch industry specifically. So before we begin, let's meet our guest, uh, Lucien Steinman from uh, Positive Coatings. Lucien, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. So my name is uh, Lucien Steinman. I'm the head of uh, Positive Coating. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you for the invitation to this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, I'm uh, nearly 40 years old. I've been working at Positive Coating for uh, a bit more than 10 years now. Uh, my background is an uh, engineer in uh, microtechnics. Um, and I um, completed my uh, uh, studies with a master's degree in uh, biomedical engineering. How did you come to work with Positive Coatings? Well, in fact, uh, Positive Coating is a family-owned company. Uh, the company was uh, uh, created in 2004 by my father. So we have a close uh, contact, of course. So I followed the steps of the growth of the company. And um, yes, it always uh, interested me to one day... Uh, get in the in this business. Uh, Serge, that's actually somewhat interesting because it's similar to your story, that this was a family business that you joined and you sort of made it your own. Exactly. And in Switzerland, we do have a lot of family businesses still operating in the watch industry, especially also on the supplier side. 
Uh, on the brand side, as we've seen on and on during the episodes of the Watch Files, conglomerates, groups have absorbed a lot of the brands. Some brands are still family-owned, such as Audemars Piguet among the giant brands. Um, but we, you see more of, a fa of family brands in the supplier section of the segments of the industry. And that's also how know-how is kept from one generation to another. You know, as we say in the watch industry, we work for the next generation. But in many companies, it's literally the case because we work for the next generation to take over and continue the, the adventure. So if you, if, you, if you come to Switzerland, you will see a lot of uh, family businesses operating. And they are really the ones also who make this uh, whole industry uh, functional. And that's, that's, that's really interesting. As usual with these episodes, I did some research into the history of uh, coatings and materials. And uh, I think that it comes as no surprise that uh, PVD is a relatively recent uh, addition to the, the tool chest for watchmakers. But of course, we've been applying coatings and uh, colorings and using different materials for quite a long time. As we talked about in our last episode, uh, we give quite a lot of uh, credit to uh, FA Porsche and Porsche Design and IWC and Orfina for bringing uh, coated, black coated watches to market. That was one of the things that Porsche was really interested in. And one of the reasons that he uh, chose Orfina in the first uh, was to use anodized aluminum as his material, black anodized. And then when he went to with IWC, one of the reasons for that was because he will, they uh, wanted to pioneer the use of titanium. But uh, they also used um, PVD coating as well, even on early uh, early watches. Uh, I also discovered that um, Citizen in Japan was using uh, what they described as vapor deposited black coatings as early as 1974, which surprised me because I didn't think the technology existed back then. Maybe they had something different, but they were another pioneer in the use of essentially a flat black coated watch. And this was the same year that the black coated Orfina uh, Porsche design watches came. But even before that, of course, there were coatings. I think that the most important coating in watchmaking is probably rhodium coating on various components. And there's, you know, we've been doing rhodium coating uh, and electroplating of parts uh, back in the early part of the 20th century. I found references in the Europa Star archives of rhodium coated uh, parts in the 1940s. Uh, I also found uh, that there was uh, companies that were offering uh, hard black coatings in the 1970s as well. So this, it was interesting to me to kind of do this research and find that that these techniques and these technologies have been there uh, for so long. One of the things as well that I discovered is that uh, these coatings kind of got a bad name because many people, uh, many of them wore off. For example, those Orfina Porsche design watches uh, has show a great deal of wear today uh, because the coating was not PVD. It was not what we're talking about now. It was um, sort of a prototype of that. Also, I think that uh, many, in many cases, these things were, they were designed more for pseudo function, not for aesthetics. So people wanted a flat black watch for military 
or applications like that, not because they thought that it looked good. And in fact, it pre seems pretty clear that a lot of people thought these things looked bad in the 1970s, and they and they kind of pushed back on this whole trend of uh, Citizen and, 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 and Porsche design making these flat black watches. But yet in the 1980s, uh, the technology came back, and I think it was sort of the, the appeal of titanium and the appeal of just a different texture, something that, that contrasted with the bright steel and gold that we saw at the time. When did the company get involved in the watch industry with these hard black coatings? So the company started in 2004. So at the beginning, it was only a startup. And uh, then it grew. And uh, we have been uh, producing uh, black coatings since, uh, since then. Uh, black coatings are the, the most demanded uh, finishing on, uh, on components for watch cases and for movement parts. So it's, it's, it's really our most demanded uh, coating. I, I was just wondering if there is a lot of uh, competition on that market and if it's uh, something that the, the brands have internalized as well. Uh, what, is the, what is the situation between uh, internal and external actors inside the groups? Yes, these kind of coatings are getting more and more popular on the on the market. So it means that some uh, big brands have also these uh, technologies in-house. Uh, but you need to have uh, strong volumes if you want to have this type of technology. So it's, it's still quite limited to few uh, brands. In terms of uh, competitors, we are the first company to bring these uh, ALD coatings on the market. So there are a few uh, followers now, but I think we still have a step ahead of them. And uh, where there is the more uh, competition is uh, with black coatings, of course, because uh, black coatings can be used for uh, decorative purposes like the watches, but also for uh, uh, as a functional coating in other industries. So there are uh, more competitors in this uh, domain, but uh, the, the handling of uh, watch components is still uh, quite special compared to other industries. Um, and we have a good uh, positioning in, in this field. Lucien, we've seen that um, in the last 20 years, one of the big trends in watchmaking has been the exploration of new colors. Ex literally an explosion in new colors used by uh, the watch industry. Another big trend in the watch industry has been making the watch cases more and more open to have the intricacies of the watch components visible to the to the public and you in a way you combine these both elements with pvd because you make these components uh, which for a very long time were actually invisible you make them beautiful 
they are today very visible to the naked eye <laughs> and brands insist on making them beautiful. So can you share with us what you are providing exactly with positive coding on what components you are working and how this um, um, kind of uh, specialty in the watch industry has evolved since in the last 10 years. Yes, you are right. So there, there has been a, a big evolution uh, concerning the, the colors that we can bring to the watch industry. So people uh, know, and there are still a lot of watches that are made of uh, gold plating, rhodium plating, which are quite classical colors. Uh, our company is specialized with two types of technologies, which are PVD for physical vapor deposition and ALD for atomic layer deposition. Uh, the first technology, PVD, uh, gives the possibility to color different parts, different components of the watch in uh, black, in uh, different uh, shades of gray and um, brown as well. These are very typical PVD colors. And uh, since uh, 2014, we have introduced uh, ALD technology for the watchmaking industries. So we were the pioneers in this, uh, in this uh, decorative uh, possibility. And um, this specific technique is based on interferential colors. So it means that we can obtain uh, a large variety of interferential colors, such as blue, green, purple, pink, orange, etc. Uh, and we can produce these kinds of colors for uh, mainly movement parts, plates, bridges, and oscillating weights. Maybe you can explain to us very basically what is uh, PVD? Uh, how do you treat the components to give them this uh, coating? So if we um, first talk about the handling, so the... The parts are fixed on a, a hook, as you can imagine, a bit the same way as for a galvanic treatment. But the difference is that we don't emerge the components in a, in a bath. It's uh, performed uh, in a, uh, an equipment which is put under vacuum. And uh, when we have uh, enough uh, vacuum inside the chamber, we will uh, grow a, a plasma inside the, the chamber. And this will help us to uh, deposit different kinds of metals on the surface of the components. It can be titanium, it can be chromium, or even uh, precious uh, metals such as uh, gold. So yes, this is the, the basic uh, principle. And by combining different type of parameters, we can uh, obtain different colors, as I mentioned before, in black, gray, brown. And ALD technique really opens up a new field for colors. What is different really in the treatment with ALD? The techniques are 
quite similar, but the chambers are are different. Um, we both in both uh, cases we work under vacuum, but uh, instead of uh, using a, a solid metal at the beginning to produce the coating, uh, we will work with uh, we call these uh, precursors, which are in a gas phase, and uh, we inject these uh, precursors inside the chamber. And by uh, elevating the heat of the components, there's a chemical reaction on the surface of the component, and it gives the possibility to grow uh, metallic oxides. The advantage of this uh, technology is that you can get uh, perfectly uh, homogeneous coatings in three dimensions. One of the things I think that is important about these coatings is that it's not painting. And I think people think maybe it's it's similar to, you know, you coat something and because I mean, it says coatings, but it's not a coating. It's not like like painting something. This is actually creating a, a molecular bond with metal on metal, right? It, it, it isn't just just an outer coating. It is really part of the part of the metal now, right? Yes, that's correct. So we, it's, it's not a coating with a laker, for example, uh, or with a polymer. It's, uh, it's really a, a coating which is made of uh, metallic elements, which is uh, bonded to the surface of the, of the component. What is also highly fascinating is that you work on a nanometric scale. Can you tell us more about this microscopic work you're doing? Yes, the, the ALD technology is, uh, is based on the nanometric uh, scale uh, coatings. Uh, the interferential colors are obtained by uh, various uh, thicknesses. So it means that we really need to, to master the thickness of the coating because if you have a, a few nanometers more or less, then you don't have the same color at the end. So this technology has the advantage to, to, to produce this kind of uh, precision. One watch that has really uh, struck a chord this, uh, this year uh, came from Zenit, is the DeFi 21, the Felipe Panton edition. And this is also, this showcases your, your, your expertise, your work, but also your innovation because you've introduced this year a new technique or new kind of coding called uh, rainbow. And rainbow is literally uh, a rainbow of colors on different elements of the watch. And if you have the chance to, to see the, the, the Felipe Pantone edition in the flesh, this is really impressive work. Um, can you tell us more about how you came up with this uh, new horizon, new innovation for, uh, for, the, for the watch industry um, and this first application. Yes, so the, the rainbow coating is, a, is really a, a mix and a combination of uh, both technologies that we have in-house. Uh, since the beginning of the company in 2004, the idea was always to produce very homogeneous coatings with only one color. Uh, so if you produce your blue coating, for example, you don't want it to be uh, 
a bit purple or a bit green, you really need to have a, a blue homogeneous uh, color at the end. And uh, yes, this year it was a bit different as we tried to apply uh, many colors to, to the same component. So this was uh, quite, uh, quite special to develop. How do companies work with you? Do they come to you and say, I, be- I-, I wish I could have a multicolored components? Or I wish I could have a co- this component in this color or this component with this material. Or do you go to them or just go to the industry and say, look, we can make materials in this color or we can make materials with this coating. And then the companies say, oh, I'd like that. So is it wh- which direction does the, 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 the work happen? Yes, there, there are many possibilities. Um, if we take uh, an example with this uh, rainbow coating, uh, at the beginning, we started to develop this uh, on our own because we thought that, uh, yes, this is really innovation. There's something to, to do with this uh, rainbow coating. Uh, so we made some trials in-house and uh, tried to improve it uh, continuously. Um, and then uh, we have shown some uh, first results to, to Zenit, and they said, okay, this is, uh, we, we want to go further on with you on this subject. And uh, then came the collaboration with Felipe Ponton on their side. And it finally uh, came to this, uh, this final product. So there are many possibilities. Some customers come and visit us and have really a specific uh, demand. And uh, for example, uh, this year at the APAG fair, we have uh, presented new uh, colors in uh, pastel tones. And uh, so this came uh, from, from our side. It's, it's our new proposition uh, with uh, lighter colors than, uh, than usual. And how do you come up with the techniques? Is it experiment, trial and error? Do you think, um, or maybe there's a scientist or an engineer or something, maybe it's you. What if I could do this? What if I could turn this knob a little bit or change this and it would come out differently? Or is it a surprise? Do you just try something and then, and then look and say, wow, look what happened? Yeah, so we have a team in-house of uh, about seven to eight engineers. So... Uh, it means that we have a lot of uh, know-how about the, the process and the technical way how it works. Um, based on our know-how, we can uh, imagine the result. Uh, it's not always uh, correct, but it goes in a first direction, and then we can uh, improve or uh, do tune, fine-tune the, the result. There are also some possibilities where we can uh, simulate results by a computer. So this is also a a possibility. But uh, normally what we prefer is to to try directly on the equipment and uh, have a, a direct feeling about what's working and what needs to be improved. Speaking of the, of the applications of your technology, uh, what are the most common components that you that you treat uh, with your technology? Um, because, uh, as as we say previously, 
uh, more and more of the components are, are visible. Uh, that becomes an ever more important aspect for in watchmaking to, to, to really have this fine tuning, this uh, uh, nice finishing of all the components of the, of the, of the watch. So what are the most usual components you work with and what are the most maybe recent components that you, you've been trading? The PVD technology is, uh, can be applied both on uh, cases, so external components, and on uh, movement parts. So with this technology, we, we coat both, uh, both type of components. Uh, ALD technology is more specific to the movement parts, so bridges, plates, uh, dials, hands, oscillating weights. Um, our challenge now is that we have a, a large variety of colors for the internal parts, and uh, we are working on the possibilities to apply these kind of colors also for uh, watch cases. Uh, it's a bit more tricky, of course, because you need to have uh, wear resistance, corrosion resistance, and um, this is very, really one of our uh, development uh, path. Well, certainly that's one of the things that watch uh, buyers are aware of. I think that PVD specifically has a bit of a negative connotation to some people who assume that it doesn't wear well or it, it, it rubs off or, or something. I think that that may be because of some early attempts at the technology that didn't work very well. And also because, frankly, a lot of things are, that are said to be PVD are actually not PVD. They're just some other coating that doesn't work as well as, as PVD does. Do you find that you have to uh, overcome the history of failures or the history of uh, fakes in order to get people to realize the, the, the qualities of the true technology? Uh, the, this aspect is still uh, existing. That's, uh, that's right. Uh, especially for the watch cases, where uh, at the beginning of the technology, there were some uh, uh, difficulties with uh, adhesion or delamination of the coatings and things uh, which are not acceptable on such products, of course. Uh, there has been a lot of uh, improvements. Uh, as, you, as Serge mentioned at the beginning, uh, PVD is used in the watch industry since, since the 1980s. So uh, there have been a lot of uh, improvements. Uh, but still, uh, some watch brands don't want to apply PVD on their... Uh, on their titanium or stainless steel components, because uh, because of course there will still be a, a wear on, on the part. It's not an everlasting uh, coating, so it's still something to to discuss. <laughs> At the same time, if we try to link the the past, the present, and the future, uh, we've seen a, a, a lot of. Uh, uh, a big trend for PVD, we can think of uh, Bamford, for instance, and uh, uh, an explosion in colors, as we as we mentioned. Um, however, now there is also a, a trend for vintage. Uh, a lot of uh, traction for watches uh, that uh, uh, that appeared prior to the PVD era. Uh, 
So do you notice that um, maybe the demand is changing on part of the brands, uh, uh, less towards PVD, more towards uh, uh, vintage, or is it also something that is mixed today to have these vintage uh, designs with uh, PVD treatments <laughs> at the risk of being a bit anachronic? Uh, what do you make of this uh, vintage trend? Um, so at the moment, we are more uh, uh, approached for uh, for new colors or for uh, uh, personalization on the, as you said before, uh, skeletonized uh, components or visible components inside the watch. Uh, we also see a trend in these uh, vintage uh, watches, but there are less uh, demands for uh, PVD coatings on our side for, uh, for these kind of components. The, the future of materials and colors is, uh, of course, a, a key question for the watch industry because we, we, we see on one side brands that are continuing to, to propose, um, uh, let's say, crazy designs, new colors, uh, larger-than-life uh, watches, and others that, uh, that come back to their heritage and uh, strongly as well. Uh, heritage from the 40s, from the 50s, from the 60s. And actually, Zenit is a good example that they are doing a bit of both because they've been working a lot on their heritage on one side. And uh, we've seen the re-editions of El Primero, the reinterpretations in a way, but also working with new materials and colors. Um, can we say that the future might be a mix of uh, vintage and... Uh, Crazy materials, crazy colors, um, are there compatible? It's, a, it's kind of an open question I have, actually, <laughs> but uh, maybe you can help me here. Uh, they indeed have a nice uh, mixed collection uh, about vintage and, uh, and new things. Uh, but uh, the technologies that we use are, more, uh, are going more towards the... the colored uh, components so more something uh, uh, like the future yeah um, shiny very i mean exactly. when we see the the, the pantone is a, is a good example because it's it's immediately highly noticeable and it changes the image of zenith as well mm-hmm. um, and that's that's something quite uh, quite fascinating uh, we we also work on uh, on vintage watches, for example, with uh, blue coatings, because as you know, uh, the blue color is a, a real uh, watch making historical color. So uh, instead of do uh, of making components with uh, steel, which is uh, made uh, in blue with uh, thermal uh, treatment. Uh, we uh, produce blue coatings with uh, ALD. So we are also active in this field of uh, vintage watches, even, even if it's 
seems uh, a bit less, less uh, fancy on the final product. I'd also like to point out that, as you say, the, the Zenith is a really good example of mixing vintage-inspired and modern-inspired watches. And specifically in the uh, El Primero line, you can see watches that are really an homage to the original. You can also see models that are really startlingly new, like the Pantone model that you mentioned. And then there's also this mix. Um, so for example, the Chronomaster Revival series that is sort of an alternate past, you know, a past that never happened based on a prototype model. And I think that there's going to be in the future more interest in having watchmakers not just be classic. You know, I think that if you look at a lot of the uh, the companies that are producing only classic models, I think they're suffering because customers want classic, but they also want something interesting or something new. I wonder too, if there's, as you say, Lucien, a possibility to bring these historic designs and historic concepts up to date with modern materials. So there's, there's a whole bunch of things I could see happening in the industry with classic and, and, and modern all within the same brand. And as I say, if you look at just the, you know, the, the Chronomaster line from Zenith, you can see this happening in a single line of watches. It, it's always, it's always interesting. I think when, uh, when, uh, watch brands try to mix, uh, both, uh, both visions, something a bit, uh, historical with something really, uh, modern. But what is the future for you for positive coatings as a, as a company uh, going out of this uh, strange era for everyone that has been the last uh, two years? How is the demand right now? And what uh, technical challenges maybe are you, are you working on to propose uh, new uh, things in the field of uh, coding? Well, of course, the, the last uh, two years were a bit uh, special and uh, it was a huge, uh, a huge challenge. <laughs> so um, now uh, the industry uh, is, uh, is going uh, better on our, from our point of view. Uh, with our customers, we see that there is uh, uh, something is happening and uh, the, the watch brands are are more and more active so this is a uh, good look uh, good uh, good luck i think uh, good news so this is good news for the uh, subcontractors and uh, partners like us so for for us the um, the, the next steps are to uh, maybe introduce uh, new technologies we have some of them in mind but uh, there are probably other ones that we don't know at the moment, but uh, that could be that could offer uh, new material, new coating possibilities to the the brands. Maybe can you can you be more specific on some of these avenues, let's say, of innovation in terms of coating? Does it mean more mix of colors, uh, different components that you can? you can treat or what is the most promise, prom promising um, uh, roadmap for you? 
So actually we can uh, produce a large variety of colors, uh, but they are mainly used in, uh, inside the watch. So now our, our biggest challenge is to, is to be able to produce these colors for case, uh, case elements. Uh, this is a very big challenge for our staff because uh, you need to have uh, different properties. So it means that you need to, to protect the coating in some way in order to uh, avoid uh, wear or corrosion, for example. I was going to ask about that as well, because, of course, we talked a lot about these things being aesthetic and design. But of course, these coatings are also useful to help to protect the metal against wear and, um, and, and to maybe even provide a better surface for moving parts for lubrication purposes. Is that something that you also work in? Well, we have uh, also a, a department where we work on uh, functional coatings. Uh, not only for the watch industry, but also for the medical industry, for example. Uh, we work uh, on the protection of components uh, to protect uh, brass components, to protect tungsten components uh, against corrosion before applying different type of colors. So the technologies are not only uh, able to bring color, but they also have a strong uh, uh, functional uh, characteristics. It's an interest point that's, um, interesting point that you mentioned on the, the med tech industry, because what we know is it's also a lot of uh, subcontractors for, for the watch industry also getting an interest to work in the medical field. Um, especially after these those two challenging years in the watch uh, industries itself, and uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, medical technologies in the last two years. Um, so, for you, is it a, is it a very promising uh, new uh, branch or area of uh, development, or is it something you've been doing for a long time? And uh, uh, what will be your 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 future implication? in the medical industry versus the watch industry? So our core business is clearly the watch industry, but uh, we have been uh, interesting ourselves in the medical industry for uh, three to four years now. Um, as I said, I also studied the biomedical engineering, so I also, uh, I also have some affinities with this, uh, this, uh, this sector. The, the, we, we apply coatings in both cases for the watches and for the medtech products, but the environment and the regulations are completely different. So we also need the time and the people who can help, uh, help us to adapt to this uh, new situation. And uh, the, the time between the prototypes between the production is uh, light, uh, a lot higher than uh, for watches, for example. Um, just, just wanted to come back to the perception of PVD. Uh, and we can go back a, a bit in history since the 1980s. And uh, 
how do you see the perception of uh, of PVD has evolved uh, since then from this new technology to a technology that has been a bit more uh, mainstream to innovation now in this technology? At the same time, the Swiss watch industry as a whole is trying to project an image of luxury, even in the entry entry level, actually. So how has this uh, perception by the public of PVD change over the years? Um, as, as Stephen mentioned, there has been also some, uh, uh, some criticism in some, in some cases. Um, so has it changed a lot? And will PVD eventually be maybe considered as a métier d'art in a way, <laughs> just like uh, uh, ancestral métier d'art uh, have been? Is it something you aim for to make PVD something really kind of considered as a real craftsmanship? I think it's uh, it's not a métier d'art because it's very technical and uh, you know we we don't have people who who uh, work for hours on the same component and uh, really something uh, artisanal we say in French. Um, it's it's still uh, quite uh, industrial, and we need to 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 handle the components uh, very precisely. But there's a lot of uh, technical uh, parameters, so I don't think we we can consider it as a, a métier d'art. And and what about the perception by the by the general audience of PVD? Have you seen more acceptation of this uh, technology over the years? Uh, yes, I think uh, that for uh, 10 years now, I would say, uh, we see more and more watch brands which uh, were maybe afraid of these kind of coatings before and who are uh, also uh, applying or showing new collections with this kind of uh, finishing. Thank you, Lucien. As we've seen today, it's uh, really uh, a field of uh, very lively innovation uh, that is uh, going on, has been going on since the 80s. And in a way, this technology really brings uh, colors to this uh, to the watch industry, which uh, some people complain that it's too gray. Well, at least positive coding is uh, putting some colors and we are certainly just at the beginning of this movement towards treating each component of the timepiece as an end product. That has been a big uh, evolution in the watch industry uh, that you want to show really each component as uh, original Uh, authentic uh, piece and probably PVD still has a lot of uh, avenues of innovation so that all the the components uh, will be will have a special treatment and as uh, Lucien say during the, the today's episode uh, a, a big challenge for the future will be uh, to treat uh, the case in the in the future Thank you so much for joining us as uh, we open the watch files. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please subscribe, share it with your friends and let us know. And you can find my writing in Europastar at uh, europastar.com. And you can find my writing at grail-watch.com or in the pages of Europastar. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time with another page of The Watch Files. Mm-hmm.